It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. Now here's your host, Matt Lorenek. Hello, hello. Another Friday, another Sports Wrap. Thank you for ending your short work week with us. And exciting stuff coming from our Detroit Tigers. They must have enjoyed that holiday weekend enough to get themselves in order and to start producing a little bit more on the baseball diamond because they have now won seven of the last nine. They took four out of five from the AL Central leading twins, and that is the second straight series that they have now won. So this team, they are definitely trending upwards. Is it time to start banging the drum and say, hey, we're making the playoff run that we were promised? I don't know about that. But I think it's definitely time to take a look at the Tigers and say, you know what, this might be a team that's actually fun to go and watch again. For a while, it was looking pretty dismal. Things are now trending back in the direction of, okay, this is entertaining. They're winning four games by just scoring four runs. They're playing great defense. They're hitting when they need to. And they've been able to put together a pitching rotation that is somewhat fragmented, but is still getting the job done. It's not necessarily as pristine and as refined as we would like, but there's a lot of exciting things happening. There's a lot of promise that this team is showing. And like I was saying, is it time to really just jump on that bandwagon and say, let's go, they're going to be great again? Probably not. But they're definitely doing the right things at the right time. And that's exciting. That's what we want to see happen. That's the kind of baseball that we thought we were getting when everything started this season. So if you want to comment on that, 800-859-0957. We got Greg on the line. Greg, good evening. Happy Friday, buddy. Hey, happy Friday, Matt. Mr. Positive. Hey, I have to totally agree with you, my friend. The Tigers are going in the right direction. The pitching is still a little bit suspect. That Tarek Skubal, can you say Cy Young? Cy Young? I mean, hey, he's um, he's shown a lot of promise of being that yeah. kind of pitcher that or being that kind of player that we need and, and handling his business the way we need him to handle it. Right. And the Castros are hitting. My Miggy's still doing all right. Um, I see this is I think like you said, this is the promise that we were looking for. Um, let's get our little pitching a little bit better. Let's get um uh, everyone healthy, and I think, uh, you know, I'm still excited. Are you still excited, my friend? Are you uh, uh, looking forward to the games coming up? Yeah, I'm definitely, I think I am. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely more optimistic now than I was had you asked me a month ago. I mean, I think what we're seeing now is what we had hoped to see at the beginning of May. It seems like we're almost sort of a month behind the trajectory we were hoping to be on, right? Totally agree, my friend. Hey, have a great weekend, and everybody, go for your dreams. Hey, thanks, Mr. P. Have a good one. And so, I mean, just like Greg was saying, a lot of 
you know, this team showing things that we needed to see that we thought we would see sooner that we're finally now getting a look at. And and like we said, I mean, Tarek Skubal, he's doing what he needs to do. He's getting things done. And the two Castros hitting in a timely place. So a lot happening with the Tigers that is something to be excited about because there is a lot there that, that we can see from this team that's going to take us places. Now, as I told you before the show, I want you to teach me something here. I, I'll do my is best. Torkelson starting to like come into his own and yes. start clearly getting more comfortable? So he is definitely coming into that role that we wanted him to. Um, you know, he's going he's gonna to be that sort of raw player that had to sort of get refined. And you are starting to see that, you know, that kind of stuff is happening with him. And so we're excited to see that. And I think it is sort of like that, you know, I would say if you're a Tigers fan, die hard, then you're probably upset because things haven't gone the way you wanted. If you are the Tigers fans that went into the start of this season looking at it saying, you know what, I know what this year is going to be. It's going to be rough. They're going to be trying to rebuild some, despite the high praise that Alavila and A.J. Hinch said. And that's what all managers have to say coming into the season, that, yeah, we want to make the playoffs. We want to contend for the playoffs. They, ha- they have to say that. No manager comes out and says, well, we're just hoping to go out there and have some fun. Unless you're the Reds. <laughs> yeah, which is terrible <laughs> if you're the Reds. I feel bad for that organization worse than I do for the Tigers fans. But you're right. You know, the, the pieces that you're wanting to see – are, are performing you the way you want to see them perform. And like Greg was saying, getting some of those guys back healthy that we've been waiting for to be healthy, that's going to be a big help as well. And so I, I think it is sort of the right pieces are all coming together and, and things are starting to go the way they should. But is it going to be enough to make that playoff push that they really want to make? I don't know yet. But it does seem like you know, Torkelson is turning that corner that everybody really was anticipating and was really expecting from the start. But that's the other thing. You have to be ready, right, to understand that when these guys come in, they've never, I mean, they've never played in the major leagues. So, so you're learning how everything works. And it's just, it's a learning curve. And sometimes the downside of baseball is that there are so many games. And I think that because... There's so many games. We expect excellence right away. And we're not always as willing to sit back and let the process happen. And I know that's a cliche thing that people hate to hear. Oh, you got to trust the process. Just let it work. But there is a process to getting acclimated with how fast the game moves at a major league level. And that's for any sport. That's like what we've talked about with Aiden Hutchinson being with the Lions. How is he going to do now that he's at the pro level. Yeah, he's fast for college, but is he going to be fast enough for the NFL? And I think sort of that comparison is what we're seeing Torkelson go through. He had those struggles early on. He's kind of turning the corner now and coming into his own. And I think it's going to be exciting for Tigers fans to keep watching. And hey, if the weather stays good and you're starting to play exciting baseball, you've at least given me a reason to go down to Comerica Park on a Friday and catch a game. It's at least now an enjoyable experience, whereas before it was just, well, we're going down and we're just going to keep 
hanging out and drinking. Probably a Saturday for us. Yeah, exactly. Friday, it'll be cutting it a little close, but still. <laughs> We'd miss a couple innings, but we could make it happen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's definitely where this team is at. And it's it's exciting to have them there and we hope they stay there. And if that push does come for the playoffs, well, then that's even better. That's even better. Phone number if you want to join us, 800 0957 NHL talk. It's crazy what's happening in the Western Conference. And so we're going to have to dive into that because I have nothing more to say than, wow, it's just insane what's going on. That's coming up on the other side on Sports Wrap. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Once again, Matt Lorenek. Happy Friday. First weekend in June. And to say it's already June sounds crazy. I mean, I don't know where the year's going, but I feel like this happens every year. And I feel like, Blake, back me up on this. Producer Blake, this happens as you get older. That the I feel like the years just fly. Yeah. And we're not that old. No. Mid-30s. But... Not, I'm, I'm not even 30. Well, right. I, I'm 30. You're still a pup. Little, <laughs> little baby over there. Now I feel like the old man, right? But it's, it's crazy. I love the good weather. Appreciate everybody joining us. I don't know what the Golden State Warriors were doing yesterday besides laying an egg. Third quarter, they looked great. First <laughs> quarter, they looked great. We're scoring quarters. The series is tied. You're right. You're Honestly, you're right. If you are doing it by, you know, put together and it's, hey, it's cliche, but this is a sports show and that's what we're all about. You got to play the full game. Mm-hmm. And Fourth they, quarter matters. And they did not do that at all. Down, outscored by 24 in the fourth. I mean, <laughs> you're the bigger basketball fan than I am. Give me your insight as to what Golden State did wrong yesterday. Is it the, we're Golden State, we got this? Or was it just a complete lack of, we don't know how to stop Boston? I think there's two things. First of all, Draymond is not the offensive threat that he was back when the Warriors were the Warriors in the past in 15-16, Draymond's not putting up 20, 30-point games anymore. He's just not that player. He's not that offensive player. Still has it on defense, doesn't have it on offense. That's number one. Number two is Steph Curry was not as aggressive as he should have been in the second half especially. That first quarter, I think he had he tied the NBA Finals record for three-point field goals made Mm -hmm. after that he was kind of he just wasn't as aggressive as he should have been I would agree with that and I think that's the biggest thing that I could say from watching this as well that the stars for Golden State did not show up like they needed to and I mean that team has so many stars that to say that they didn't show up is probably not as fair as it could be but when majority of the team is looked at as how Steph Curry does is how we do and how Draymond does is how we do. I mean, for Steph Curry to go ahead and have 21 in the first, zero in the second, nine in the third, and then four in the fourth, like you said. And in the fourth, Marcus Smart didn't play most of the fourth. Quarter. Right. Their best perimeter defender. Right. So that made, that 
just says he was not aggressive enough at all. Right, and and for that even to be the case, I mean, it's not like the game was in cruise control by any means. It's not like in the fourth quarter you were sitting there and you had this cushy lead that you could just relax with. You were fighting for your life, and it just looked like Golden State kind of just hung out and let it happen. And so, I don't know. I don't know the fix. I don't know what they do different coming up in game two, but I think that Boston has to know, well, we're going to see a different Golden State team in game two. We're going to see a Golden State team that wants to push the tempo, that wants to get in our face, that wants to not let this game go the way it did in the first one. And so, I don't know, predictions for game two, your thoughts? I think that it's a must win for Golden State. I like that. I mean, they're at home. They have like if if they get two owed at home, that's you're in a bad, bad, bad place. You are in a very bad place. I would agree with you. I think that Tatum has to play better if Boston wants to win. Because Tatum, I mean, he had a I think thirteen assists. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a great scoring night. I think Golden <laughs> State will win. I think the series is going seven. So that's what I'm rooting for, but I also think that's going to happen. I mean, I would love seven because that means it's just entertaining, you know, all the way to the end. But you're right. I think what happens in game two is the biggest decider of how far it's going to go. You know, if it goes 2-0 to Boston, we might have a situation where you're looking at Golden State not being able to come back from that. Maybe they win one in Boston, but even let's say that they don't. Let's say they split. You're coming back 3-1. You're down 3-1 potentially if you don't win game two. So I think, I mean, I'm with I'm with producer Blake on that one. I definitely think it is a must-win scenario for them in that situation. Must-win or can't lose? <laughs> Also tough. <laughs> Can't lose works, too. I think it's either or. <laughs> it's just, you're right. I mean, to go, you know, let's say, like I was saying, let's say they lost, right? You got to go back to Boston. Back to Boston. They're, those That crowd's going to be insane. Right. Especially if Boston's coming back 2-0. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. It's a very pivotal point. A very, very pivotal situation for what could happen. I so, mean, Clay has to play better. Draymond has to play better. Otto Porter can play the same. He yeah. played awesome. Yeah. That was the best he's played in, like. And then you got guys on, like, Al Horford. He, that was the most threes he's ever made in his career. Which is insane to think. But so. that's the stuff that happens in the finals. Mm-hmm. It's those unpredictable moments of, well, who thought Al Horford was going to go off for the most threes he's ever made in his career? Nobody. But when you start to see that happen, I think Golden State has the talent that can overtake a game. And when you start to see someone like Al Horford get hot like that, you can't just sit back and say, all right, cool. Like, that's the time where Steph Curry needs to be Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the second you start seeing, oh, wow, Horford's hitting his shots tonight. He is on. Okay, well, then I better, I better get up my game and be on. And that's the one thing that I always sometimes, you know, I don't understand the psyche of athletes sometimes. Like, 
it's not that Steph Curry can't score. He scored 21 in the first. It's not that he can't score. So were they really playing him that much better? Like you said earlier, Smart wasn't really in the game that much. To be that big perimeter defender that Boston would have needed had Steph Curry been really firing on all cylinders. But what, at what point do you just, and again, to be Golden State, how do you just come out flat like that at home in the NBA Finals? Yeah. Rest versus rust. It's a it, classic debate. It really is. And how, you know, how much do you want? Do you want to be Boston just having gone the distance against Miami? Or do you want to be sitting around waiting for your opponent a little bit longer than the team that's coming in? I think it matters in different sports, too. I think in hockey, having the long rest helps. It's a great segue into uh, Colorado and uh, Edmonton. Rest versus rest. (laughs) Because currently that rest is not helping Edmonton. (laughs) They are having a very tough time against arguably the best team in the NHL. I get it. Tampa Bay, very good. I don't know that they three-peat if they face the avalanche. I don't know how you stop what's happening in Colorado. And I hate talking about how good they are because I'm a Red Wings fan, tried and true. But they are playing phenomenal hockey right now and that whole series you know Edmonton and (laughs) Edmonton and Colorado in game one I thought I thought I was watching a game I just had never seen anything like seven to three happen like it did besides when the Red Wings turned around and did it to the avalanche and won seven oh back in the 90s it was like old school 80s hockey I, exactly. It was just the puck was in the net over and over and over. Okay, cool. This is how it's going. You know, so that those two teams, when you see game two and you watch the Avalanche get out to this 3-0 lead and then just cruise from there, and honestly, Mike Smith in net for Edmonton, he was playing out of his mind. He was still playing very good hockey. They had a bad span of two minutes and four seconds where the Colorado Avalanche were able to just pepper them. It was nuts. 40 shots. Yeah, 40 shots. 40 shots compared to 24. And two minutes and four seconds for the Avs to be up 3 nothing. That's all it took. That's the second time this playoffs they've done like something like that. Though. They scored, you're right, they scored within 15 seconds, goal one and two, and then two and three was obviously do the math, another minute and change after that. But that's what is so hard for me to watch is to see a goalie play as well as he does, as he did, and have his team in front of him have nothing else to back them up, especially with a player like McDavid. And Dreisaitl. And Seidel, exactly. I mean, how how does that just happen? Dreisaitl looked hurt for the first time. Like, because he hurt his ankle. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. early in the playoffs. Yes. But he looked fine, like, since then. Last night was the first night he looked slow. Yes. He didn't look like himself. I would agree. And the thing that's always interesting, what do you do in game three? What are you changing? Are you changing anything? 
or are you just watching game three play out and saying, okay, we're home. Maybe if those all-star guys that we have just to just start to play better, then we'll be okay. I want your thoughts too. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. 800-859-0957. Coming up on the other side of the break, Jim Harbaugh has given some insane advice to his two quarterbacks fighting for a spot. And we're going to tell you all about it. That's coming up next. Back to Sports Wrap on WJR. Here's Matt. Welcome back to the Friday edition of Sports Wrap. Ending out the first week of June with a little college football. And we're back to it if you've been listening to the show on Fridays. The NIL, what it means, what it is, how it affects college football. 800-859-0957. If you have any inkling as to what you think it's going to do, what you want to see it do, is it good, is it bad? I'm here to hear all of your opinions on it. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. But I'm going to lay it out as simplistically as possible because it is very confusing in the situation of what's allowed, what's not. And the ability of certain coaches from the team down south to be able to say the things that they've said and have it be completely legal is a lot of what has tied into the debate that's been happening nationally between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. So the NIL, this is for all of us who don't really understand what it is because quite honestly, I don't know the ins and outs, nuts and bolts of it. But what I do know is that the simplistic part of it is players can now earn money from businesses for their name, image, and likeness, meaning you want me to stand with a Verners and talk about how much I love it. If I'm a college athlete, I can get paid for that. If I want to go help out a car dealership, they want to pay me to post on social media about how much I love their cars. I can get paid for that as a college student. It's all legal from those individual businesses trying to help players. And it can be players in college. In some states, the rules are different. Sometimes it can be also high school seniors who are looking to come to a certain university. So that's where it gets murky because the state rules aren't necessarily the same as the NCAA rules. Now, what is completely legal is what you're going to see happen a lot of times from coaches. And it's going to be when those coaches get up in front of their boosters, they get up in front of supporters, business folk of their town, and just flat out say, hey, we need money. And that's exactly what happened 
at Ohio State. Ryan Day, just the other afternoon, he and the athletic director Gene Smith told 100 attendees of the Columbus business community that Ohio State needs $13 million in NIL money to keep its roster currently intact. Subtle. Very. (laughs) Nothing says we got to pay these kids so that they stay here. Like legitimately just coming out and saying we need money to pay these kids so they stay here. Now, Ohio State has done really well so far in the NIL era. Now, what he's also talking about is that he's sort of giving values of what he thinks certain top-notch players are worth. He says top-shelf quarterbacks require $2 million in NIL money. Major offensive tackles and edge rushers need about a million. He continues to say some schools won't be able to keep up if they're following the rules, while others will go too far and push the envelope. But all we're doing is telling you what the NIL situation is here at Ohio State. (laughs) I mean, this event that these Columbus community business members were at was hosted by the school's athletic department. Where their head football coach stood in front of them and said, we need your money. So you can help us keep our current players. If I ever thought it was going to be that blatant. I would have never imagined that's what the NIL was turning into. I, I understood what it could have been, but I didn't think it would be that, I would say, obvious that we're just asking for money. I Yeah, I don't think anybody thought that it would be what it is right now. I don't think so either. And, and to the point that Nick Saban was trying to make, he sort of backtracked on some comments, but essentially what he said was, you know, yeah, Texas A&M, they paid for their recruiting class. He took that back right now. He did. And then as he took it back, he said, now, I didn't say they did anything illegal. I just said that they paid for their recruiting class. Him and Kirby made up. They did. They hugged it out. They did. And that's what you love to see. Because at the end of the day, they're both kind of now getting talked to by the SEC. Like, listen, you two are ruining this for all of us. Let's stop ruining it for everybody. And that's essentially the situation that Ryan Day is saying. You know, like he says, and this is a quote from his discussion talking to these Columbus business people. If the speed limit's 45 miles an hour and you drive 45 miles an hour, a lot of people are going to pass you. If you're going too fast, you're going to get pulled over. Which means, let's read between the lines, that means we're going to break the rules a little bit, but not enough to get caught. We're going to be just on the edge of what's legal. But we're not going to really worry about it too much because if we do it the right way, we'll be able to kind of get by with it without it turning into anything. Ohio State's always ran its program more like an SEC program, though. They have. Not like a Big Ten program. Not at all. Whereas, like, I in 
my interpretation of what's going on with NIL, like Michigan, Notre Dame, schools like that, that you know, right, yeah. see themselves hold themselves to a very high standard, mm-hmm. high society. Yeah. If you will, they're going to do things the right way, quote unquote, with NIL. Right. Whereas Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, mm-hmm. they're going to bend some rules. Well, and do what they can. Jim Harbaugh was at a Michigan college showcase where college prospects from across the state, the Midwest, it was up at Ferris State, and he was interviewed about NIL. And he kind of, you know, said, listen, coming to Michigan will never be a transactional experience from the university standpoint. So basically what he's saying is you'll, you know, great people and players will come here. One, I love that because he's basically saying, listen, we're Michigan. We don't really need the NIL, right? Come, come to Michigan. Now that's only going to last so long right now. I agree. You can ride that wave of where, well, we're Michigan. Who wouldn't want to come here? And, It's going to get you only so far and only for so long. You can ride that wave because of how last year went. If this year doesn't go that great, you're going to need to find another way. And I don't know if just sitting back and saying, eh, the kids will take care of it themselves. They'll get on Twitter and they'll hire agents and they'll, they'll go out and they'll market themselves. And that's essentially what coach Harbaugh is saying now as a fan of as a Michigan fan and as a fan of college football being great in the state of Michigan in general, do I want to see Michigan state doing better than Michigan? No, but did I love the way that that game was played last year? Yeah, it was awesome. And I don't know if you're going to get that in five to 10 years, if the NIL keeps going the way it's going and our schools in state, keep doing what they're doing. I don't know if you can survive because teams like Ohio state will continue to operate the way they're operating on the edge of fairness, on the edge of getting caught, not getting caught. Now, will you ever be able to compete with the sec? That's a big time question. And I don't know the answer. What do you think? There's one program that that has done it, and it's Ohio State. Right. They're the only ones, I mean, that have, like, held that consistency with an Alabama or a Florida from a few years ago, not right. as much lately, and Clemson. I would agree. Clemson's the outlier, though, mm-hmm. also. But, and it, we'll see what happens with Clemson. Because they're not willing, they haven't been willing to do the transfer portal. Correct. They're not as much blatant with the NIL stuff as some SEC schools. Right. And I think, like, to your point, though, Ohio State being the only team that's done that, look at the success it's gotten them. Now, have they always been skirting the line? Yeah, probably. Do we hear about all of it? No. Are there things that happen behind the doors in Ann Arbor and in East Lansing that are questionable? Maybe. I don't know. If you do know, go ahead and call us, 800-859-0957. We're all for it. But are your teams here in state going to have to start doing things differently to be able to compete 
not only with the SEC, but with Ohio State in the Big Ten? Are you going to have to start going to that model of, wow, we really got to start getting some guys in here because we need to be able to compete every single season against them. And I don't know where Michigan State even stands in this because we haven't heard anything out of East Lansing about NIL this or, you know, how much this player is making, how much that player is making. We heard some with the basketball program. Correct. With um, Matt Matt Ishiba. Yes. Yes. But I I haven't heard anything with football. Correct. And that's something that, you know, caused an uproar when he did that because he said, this is just for the men's basketball team. Well, what about the women's basketball team? Don't they want to get paid? Of course they want to get paid. But what you have to remember is, as an alum of that university, he wants to support the team he played for, which was the men's basketball team. But that's... And it's a way around Title IX. It's a way around it. It's absolutely a way around it because there is no fairness in the NIL world. There is no everything needs to be equal. There is really what it comes down to is it's almost like the haves and the haves nots. Yes. And that's what the NIL has made college football. But let's be real, too. There's plenty of girls, women's athletes in softball. Yes. In gymnastics. They're getting their own bag. Mm-hmm. There's the the famous TikToker from LSU. Yes. She's, I don't know her name off the top of the head, but yes. Livy Dunn, I think, is her name. I think you're right. Yes. She has a huge following. Mm-hmm. She does a bunch of brand deals. She's probably making more than some of these football players are. I would agree. And that's where people and athletes and income, I mean, th- that's where now we've opened up the can of worms of, Here are the pros of social media. But are those pros also cons? Are we now at the point where we've just, we've gone too far and we can't go back? And that I think is where the worry of the NIL is. Is this the slippery slope we didn't want to start and that now we've started it, we don't really know how to curtail it and bring it back because the NCAA is going to have to do some work to try and bring it back and to try and sort of rein it in with more blanket rules. If you got thoughts on it, 800-859-0957. Coming up on the other side of the break, Blake's bets, our degenerate gambler, producer Blake, he's going to lay down. He's He's got the bets ready. He's got the picks laying out there. We're going to see how it goes. That's coming up on the last segment of Sports Wrap. Back to Sports Wrap on WJR. Here's Matt. Thank you for joining us on Sports Wrap, the Friday edition. And in the studio here, producer Blake's got some video game battle on. And it's actually, I mean, I don't know that I ever would have said, man, I can't wait to watch other people play video games. But it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty entertaining. Well, Call of Duty League. Call of Duty League. And that... Again, it's the world we live in now. Esports teams, they're a thing. Talk about scholarships. Talk about money for NIL. Esports. Yeah. It's where it's at. And, like, you'll see athletes, like, 
playing on Twitch yeah. before, and for our audience, Twitch is where a lot of people go to live stream, stream video games, or you can just stream like talking, right? Like we a could, radio station. Yeah, we could be streaming now on Twitch yes. if we wanted to. And before, if you were a student athlete, you could not take donations, right? Now you can, right? And that's where a lot of these student athletes are are going to. You know, and it's it just it is crazy to think about the amount of opportunity that exists for money to be made here in the state of Michigan now, gambling legal online. I mean, we could be, you know, we can bet on we could be betting on this video game playing that's happening. We could be betting on I mean, all sorts of things. The Grand Prix this weekend here in Detroit, last time it's on Belle Isle. You can bet on that. You can bet on anything. Which brings us to our segment on Fridays. It's going to be Blake's bets. Yeah. Because you're all, about, you're all about the gambling. Working title is right. We don't know yet. If somebody's got a better one, we're here for it. 800-859-0957. You can call or text us. But Blake's the big-time gambler. Now, I don't know enough about it to dive into it the way you do. Now, I do know enough to look at it and say, okay, cool, this is this is an advantageous wager. I'm going to go ahead and throw down $50. But the nervousness of losing it all in an instant, I really, I, I stay away from like the $100 bets on things unless I'm like, mm, feeling risky. Makes a game a little more interesting. God, scary. Makes it, it scary. It that little like anxiety <laughs> at the bottom of your stomach. It yeah, exactly. Makes you feel alive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's exciting. It's also nerve wracking. So, what do you got for us on the games coming up tonight in the NHL and this weekend in the NBA? So tonight we have Tampa Bay and New York, as you know, mm-hmm. just for the listeners. So in hockey, we kind of talked about this last night. There's two different bets that you can do. You can do what's called the puck line, which the favorite will be favored by one and a half goals, minus one and a half. Generally, you'll get really good odds on that. Mm -hmm. You'll get like plus, for example, tonight is plus 205. Which Tampa is the favorite by one and a half goals. If you bet $100, you'd win 205 on top of your original wager. Just to kind of explain it for people. Absolutely. Um, and then the Rangers are plus one and a half. As we know, in the NHL playoffs, there's a lot of one-goal games. There are. So you don't get great odds on that. It's no. minus 240. And I would expect that to be where that's at. The one that's sort of interesting to me, though, is the over-under at five and a half. Five and a half goals. So that's <sighs> a combined total for the two teams, not just one or the other. Correct. Five and a half goals. I like the over. That would be my bet of the night. I do too. And that's not a good sign for us. It's not. <laughs> but the other interesting thing now is all the people that want to bet the over in the next Edmonton, Colorado game. I'm going to bet the under because I got a weird feeling that you can only hit the over so many times. Well, last game was under. It was because Edmonton just can't find the back of the net. Yes. But I think in Edmonton, whenever those odds come out, which will be, I mean, they're out right now, but 
you're more likely to kind of look closer to game time when you kind of want to, you know, nail all this stuff down. But with your winnings from tonight, obviously, that's how it goes. Responsibly. Exactly. Just five dollars here and there. On the weekend, back to the NBA. Now, another one that given what happened in game one, there's a lot of interesting bets for this second game between the Celtics and the Warriors. So going into the series, Golden State was favored. So we can kind of start there. Now the Celtics are favored in the series to win the NBA championship. Um, So you can get Golden State at a good price. You can Mm -hmm. get them at plus 140. So again, if you bet $100, you win 140 on top of that. Or if you really feel confident about the Celtics, you should have taken them before the series. Yeah. But now they're minus 165. So that means you have to bet 165 to win 100. Right. So what I would personally do is hedge it. I'd take Golden State in the series, play, because I feel like that, you know, those are good odds for the series. I would agree. But then maybe bet Boston on the money line for the next game. You're hedged that way. Mm -hmm. So you're going to come out a winner either way, basically. I like it. So... And you can get Boston at plus 155. The other thing with this series that I also, I mean, you know, over-under is pretty, pretty easy to understand. You know, like we were explaining, over-under this amount of combined points. In hockey, right, amount of goals. In basketball here, amount of points. Second game, they've got the over-under 216. Now... Based on what these teams can do, absolutely, that's that's good. I mean, they hit it last. They hit it last night. Now, do you think it's going to be lights out like that again coming up in game two, or will one team's defense shine through? Because with these two teams, I don't know that there is much defense. I'm I'm a big advocate of betting overs. Well. It's the funnest bet. Bet the overs club. You're just rooting rooting for for points. points. I like, I I get it. Rooting for points. It's very easy. You're not rooting for a particular team, especially in a series like this. Right. You're not picking a side. You're just rooting for points. Right. I just want a lot of points. It's very, very fun. So if if you're someone that's like trying to get into gambling, Uh trying to just dabble in it, the over is, I think, the best place to be. Yeah. With a little bit of money. Yeah. Sometimes I like. Responsibly. Correct. Always responsibly. Sometimes I do like the psychological thought that goes into it, but then I always worry that I'm overthinking it, right? You know, oh, well, you know, if they got blown out, then it's not going to work out this time. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll have that report for you next week on Sports Wrap. Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a great weekend.